podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, as always, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for our latest episode. That's right, the NFL Draft is this weekend. Kicks off Thursday, runs through Saturday. We're all going to be watching because there's nothing else to watch. Let's just be honest. And we're all going to watch way more NFL Draft than we normally do. I am, you are, it's going to happen. That's fine. And I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see where some of the Big 12's best players go. What happens with Jalen Hurts? Does C.D. Lamb get to be the first wide receiver taken? Uh, where do offensive linemen like Lucas Niang and Hakeem Adeniji go? Uh, what about Denzel Mims, Jalen Rager, all the way down to the, to, to Devin DuVernay? Um, as an Oklahoma State fan, there's one Cowboy probably going to get drafted. A.J. Green, cornerback, where's he going to go? Very excited to see it. Very excited for all of it. Uh, the draft is fun. It's even more fun this year because we just need something, something real, uh, not a replay or things like that, just something real to actually enjoy. Uh, so today's episode, of course, is our draft preview. Very excited to have Vinny Iyer from Sporting News on the show. He has uh, has done multiple seven-round mock drafts. We'll get him on to talk about one of those Um just break down some of the picks, some of the, some of the ones that he, where he has them landing, why, um, his thoughts on those players. Really interesting nugget. He has three TCU players going back to back to back uh, in one of his drafts. Weird. I would love to see that. It'd be crazy. Um, so we're going to talk about all of that. As for next week, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We're going to have interviews. Uh, we're going to have episodes next week. I don't know if they are yet. I'm still trying to figure that out, but we'll get there. Uh, do me a favor. Make sure you don't miss them. I don't want to miss them. You don't want to miss them. Go ahead and subscribe. Just hit that subscribe button. However you listen, whether it's your first time listening, your second time listening, or you've been listening over and over again, uh, just subscribe. It's really easy to do. Leave us a rating. Five stars. Just click the five stars. That's all you got to do. Click. Done. If you like listening to the show, just, just leave a little click. If you want to take the time to leave a review, I would appreciate it. I will read your review on the show. 
most of you are like, we don't, I don't, that's not incentive enough. Like if I had a bunch of free stuff, I'd give it to you, but it's not like I got money rolling in. Do you hear ads on this podcast? No, we don't have ads. We don't have advertisers. If you want to advertise on the show, let me know. I'm happy to do it. I'll take a dollar. Like you can give me a dollar. I'll let you come on the show. I'll give you a dollar if you just want to come on the show and say that you love your favorite team. Like seriously. That's what we would do. Heck, I'll probably let you do that for free just because it'll be fun. Uh, if you have not had a chance, go back, check out our interview with Russ Stang. That was our episode from earlier this week. Pre, uh, former Kansas State offensive lineman. Guys, I don't care if you are a Kansas State fan or not. It's a really good episode. A lot of fun. He had a lot of great stories, a lot of great insight. Uh, again, I know I said Kansas State. It doesn't matter if you're a Kansas State fan or not. It is a really, really fun interview. You will enjoy it. I promise. Okay. It is one of the best episodes. It's one of the most fun episodes we've done. I talk very little. I let him do all the work, mostly because he's interesting and I'm not. So, uh, with that said, Vinny Iyer on the show, NFL draft preview. Let's get to it. Twenty twenty NFL draft, of course, gets underway on Thursday, and very excited to have a guest on today to help us preview the draft. He is responsible for the seven round mock draft currently available on Sporting News. Vinny Iyer joining us today. Vinny, uh, welcome to the Ten Twelve. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No, absolutely. Um, combed through your draft. Let me just start by saying. Uh, I am incredibly impressed by anyone who can take the time to put together a full seven-round mock draft. Uh, one round, the first round, seems complicated enough, but doing all seven rounds, like I'm really curious, once you get past those first few rounds, when you're down to rounds five, six, and seven, kind of what's your philosophy for, for trying to make those predictions? Yeah, I kind of uh, really take this seriously in terms of trying to make sure I'm not going crazy with teams taking a particular position or really not stretching too much with the prospects, but it's hard because there's varying values for a lot of these players. Depending on who you ask, they could have somebody in the third round, they can have him in the sixth round. So that's something you weigh in a little bit. And really with the mock drafts overall, we're not going to get close to getting most of the picks right in the first round, let alone expanding to two, three, and seven rounds. So it's really just so what kinds of prospects could be available for this team to attach itself to, what kind of players should get some good homes here. So it's kind of just uh, exploring all the options uh, for player team fits here. And uh, you start to make sure that uh, if a team has not addressed a position, you consider that in a later round versus an earlier round and all that stuff. So it's definitely something you have to be meticulous about to keep track of. But in the end, again, it's just a guide to say, these are the players that these teams are interested in. Will they get all of them? Obviously not, but it's someone that you want to have on your radar as you're watching the draft. So I, I do want to hit on some guys you have in the later rounds, but let's let's start in round one. And that's what everybody cares about the most. That's what we talk about the most. It's the most exciting part of the draft. Um, and there's one guy who I want to start with. Um, it's a guy whose name I've heard has has potential to move up potentially into the teens. A lot of guys are really start, teams are really starting to like, uh, and that's that's linebacker Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. Uh, you have him right now at twenty eight to to the Baltimore Ravens, a team that seems to love Oklahoma Sooner players as they've got um, a few. Let's just say on the roster now. Uh, what do you? Why is that the landing spot you see for him? And, and what have you heard about the the potential of him moving up higher in this draft? 
Well, again, with the Ravens, I want to keep attaching them to Kenneth Murray. I don't know if Kenneth Murray is going to last till number 28, but you know the Baltimore Ravens are positioned to win Super Bowl now. They need immediate inside linebacker help. So that would suggest that the Ravens, if not 28, maybe they have the potential to move up and get players. We've seen them do that. They did that a couple of years ago to get Lamar Jackson and trade it back into the back of the first round to get Lamar Jackson. So if there's a player that they like and they know they need, the Ravens are not afraid to go get that player. That's part of their DNA. But when you look at Kevin Murray, there's certainly teams that could go up and kind of jump them for Murray. I think one early spot just by holding their pick, the Saints at number 24, they need a little bit of linebacker help. The Patriots right before them at number 23. So that could be the earliest spot you look for a Kenneth where to go off the board. To some degree, the Eagles could also go to that direction at number 21. So 21, 23, 24 is that early spot. And then you look at potentially if he drops there beyond the Saints, is someone going to trade up and get him? And you look at that Seahawks spot at 27. We know the Packers need a player of that capacity. Maybe the Chiefs also want to address the inside linebacker. So he's an intriguing prospect. Certainly Isaiah Simmons being a hybrid safety linebacker is standing out a little bit ahead of him. Patrick Queen, again, riding that LC wave, might have a little bit more appeal than these other traditional edge rushers. But after all that, I mean, Kendall Murray, you plug in your defense, you know what you're going to get. He's going to make a lot of plays, use the feed and range, and uh, be there. And that's one of the few positions inside linebacker where you know what you've seen on Saturdays is going to translate to Sundays. I'm really intrigued when I get down to near the bottom of your first round. You've got three straight picks, picks 30, 31, 32, all TCU players. Rager uh, at 30 to Green Bay, Blacklock to uh, 49ers at 31, and then Gladney at the Chiefs at 32. Did that just kind of happen in that way? Uh, it's It's just so intriguing to me to see three straight TCU players. and That'd be wild if that actually happened. Um, but what is it about these guys that, that you like here in this first round? Well, I think with Ross Blacklock, we'll start with him. I think the 49ers, he's the perfect fit for what they need now, having lost or really traded a DeForest Buckner by choice there, knowing that they couldn't resign him. So that's a good replacement, especially having a second first-round pick after number 13 to look at him at 31. So that's a pretty good fit. With Jalen Rieger, I've been going back and forth. I had him uh, – in my latest mock draft, go to the Bengals in the early second round, the one that I did for second rounds. I had him go to the Packers there, as you mentioned, at the back end. Gladney is more of a scheme-specific guy. I think he's a guy that you look at if you need a corner that can play inside in his own defense. So you look at the Chiefs, who lost Kendall Ford. The uh, Vikings have lost a lot of players there. You look at the Titans being a fit. So a lot of uh, teams need that player, especially these contenders, that uh, capable of playing inside and uh, covering, helping the slot right away, playing outside as well, maybe later in his career. And Jeff Gladney provides that versatility. So just the way these players are, with Rieger, you're getting just a dynamic guy who can stretch the field. With Blacklock, you're getting a disruptive guy who can uh, potentially get to the quarterback but also hold up against the run. Gladney can do a lot of different things as well. So versatility is the key for all these TCU players. And that's what teams want. They want the best value to get uh, different skill sets out of uh, a single player when they're picking early in the draft. Rager really intrigues me as, as a Big 12 guy who got to watch him play. The, the talent is obvious. Um, obviously, he didn't he didn't get the production this season that we, we expected from him. This is a draft with a lot of wide receivers, a lot, a lot of depth at wide receiver. There's, I mean, 
mock drafts having as potentially as many as seven wide receivers in that first round. You know, he feels like the guy who's on that back end of of how many do we get in the first round? Is it five? Is it six? Is it seven? If if he doesn't go in the first round, you've got him to, to Green Bay on the one that I'm looking at. You mentioned you had him in, in Cincinnati. Where outside of those two teams, where else do you see him as a as a potential fit? Well, I think there's potential he could go to the Dolphins there. They have a couple receivers, Devontae Parker and uh, Preston, they like a lot. But what you're getting basically is if you need a guy to stretch the field and you have that established number one, and can he go up and get the ball, make the big plays, take the top off defense? You look at Devontae Adams with the Packers. You'd be nice to have a player to have that ability on the other side. You look at A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, who plays in the slot. For the Bengals, you'd want that extra player that John Ross doesn't quite work out to be right now as a speed player. So I think he's a more complete receiver than people give him credit for, but that's what you're looking for, basically that second deep threat. The Saints I thought would be interested, but I think uh, signing Emmanuel Sanders to a hefty deal here over the next two years, that might uh, limit them from getting the mix. And you also can't rule out the Patriots as well because this is a team that needs – that type of receiver to bring along their next quarterback, whether it's Jared Stidham or someone else. So let's stick with wide receiver just for a minute. You have Denzel Mims, a wide receiver from Baylor, down the second round to the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, uh, they have to replace the production of Brandon Cooks. What is it about about Mims you like there, and and where else do you see him potentially landing? Well, in uh, my latest mock, I had him go to the Broncos because of not being able to get them a wide receiver in the first round. So he'd definitely be in play nicely for the Broncos. 6'3", 200 and some pounds, so pretty nice size. But also has a big ability to stretch the field as well. So, yeah, the Rams need that type of receiver. It's a little different from Brandon Cooks because Cooks is a smaller receiver with speed and quickness. Mims, I think, uh, fits a little bit better than what the Rams want to do here. Because he does have that speed to take the uh, vertical plays and uh, do that, but also can uh, get involved in the red zone as well. So I I like him because you have Cooper Cup in the slot. You have Robert Woods there, pretty reliable possession receiver. Mims can kind of do it all and maybe be a true number one that Cooks wasn't. So there's that potential with the Broncos. They already are used to a big receiver, Sutton, Cordell Sutton there. So they liked him out of SMU. He's been pretty good as a number one. So. Uh, with Denzel Mims, you get that classic uh, size speed prospects, as the scout would say. So one of, to me, the most intriguing prospects uh, coming out of the Big 12 this year is is Jalen Hurts, uh, quarterback from Oklahoma. Uh, in the one I have up, you've got him to the Las Vegas Raiders uh, with pick 80. Um, I've seen, it, it seems like he might be gaining some ground as far as popularity. That said, I, I know quite a few Oklahoma people who all are just kind of baffled by the idea of him continuing to rise up. Uh, what do you, why do you pick the Raiders here and, and, and why does that seem like a good fit for you? Well, I think John Gruden is a guy that as a quarterback obsessed kind of a scouting coach, he really likes that intangible aspect, the leadership, having won a lot of games. and It's kind of an old-school mentality, being in college for a while, having uh, had a lot of success on an individual and a team level. So being, hand, being able to handle both Alabama and Oklahoma, those are tough spotlights, especially in Alabama when he was scrutinized and uh, Tua Tagovailoa was there. He handled that very well with maturity. Then – the pressure was on him. Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray come out of the program 
to kind of keep up what they're doing. And he had an exceptional season there with Lincoln Riley. So there's that type of thing. I mean, people are going to nitpick. Can he have the arm that's going to put it all together with the accuracy and all that? Can he sit back and throw in the pocket? But sometimes he just has acceptance for what he is, that he's a mobile guy who can run around, make some plays there, is very coachable, is going to bring you good character on your team. So I think that's why he kind of fits with the Raiders. But this is a guy that has a big range of outcomes. He could go early in the second round, potentially the Colts, because they've got two second rounders. They're going to look beyond Phillip Rivers who's only on a one-year deal with the Steelers getting mixed, and the Packers, the Saints, any of these teams. I mean, will the Cowboys look at him as a potential backup to Dak Prescott? So there's so many places Jalen Hurts could land in this draft. And you wonder how aggressive a team is going to go and try to get him. But right now I would say the teams that fit him the best, the Raiders, they want to move on from Derek Carr, and certainly the Patriots who uh, are probably going to be more calculated with their picks. And uh, if, they, if he's around in the third round, the Patriots have a shot to slide up to get him without a second rounder. I think there's a good chance he can end up there as well. Patriots would be an interesting landing spot there. Obviously, a lot, uh, a lot changing in New England with Tom Brady now gone. Um, I want to, I want to move down to the fourth round uh, with the one I have. You've got a couple of offensive linemen that, that intrigue me here. One of them is is Lucas Niang from TCU. How much of of you having him in the fourth round is based off of of injuries, um, and, and how much it's based off of just just the player? Yeah, I think it kind of balances out there because uh, injuries, you have to be patient with him and they need a little bit more development. So uh, in the mock draft you're referring to, I didn't do the latest with seven, but the full seven, I had him go to the Lions, a team that can maybe wait to develop and tackle, not necessarily an immediate need for them as much as interior line there you know, after what they lost in free agency. So that type of player, injury, development, I mean, that says uh, day three to me where you want to get a player that – have some upside, and you don't need right away, but you think he could be something special. I think Lucas Neang fits that, yet another TCU guy. Yeah, offensive line, you know, I've listened to quite a few people talk about, seems to has struggled more since they changed a lot of the practice rules in the NFL. It's It takes more time to get guys up to speed and, and ready to play in the NFL. So being able to get a guy who can come in and, and you know he's going to take some time to get ready uh, and not expect too much of him right away, probably probably a smart move nowadays. The other offensive lineman I want to talk about is a guy I was a big fan of, is Hakeem Adeniji from Kansas. Uh, you've got him there in the fourth round as well, going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was a big fan of his. I thought he was a, a, a stellar player. Um, how, do you, how do you kind of grade him, and, and why does the Steelers feel like a good spot? Well, the Steelers uh, are a team that kind of drafts ahead of schedule here with uh, some of the needs that they have coming up. So I think tackle makes a lot of sense. It's a good organization to develop a tackle. So it didn't be, I mean, I like him. I think part of it is just there are a lot of uh, different types of athletic tackles with upside who have been uh, rising uh, up the boards are Ezra Cleveland of Boise State and Austin Jackson of USC kind of fall into that. Jack Driscoll as well and Matt Pert, two names that you'll see uh, from Auburn and UConn respectively that are moving up. So it's more what the ceiling is, what the floor is, how ready is this player. And then, gee, I think, again, it makes sense. I mean, I don't see like other people that if you drop to the fourth round or something like that, that it's a bad thing necessarily because sometimes there's that many value picks at that position ahead of you that kind of uh, stack that position. So 
you could be a fourth rounder in one year, but really you might be more of a back end second rounder another year. And that's how I feel about these two guys. If everything was falling in place. Yeah, they say that the, the, the best drafters are guys who find the most value in these later rounds. That's where you really do the hard work. Finding guys like that uh, would be really valuable. Okay, so selfishly, as, a, as an Oklahoma State fan, this is a Big 12 blog but I'm gonna, or podcast, but I'm going to ask about it anyways. Uh, A.J. Green, cornerback uh, from Oklahoma State in the fifth round. You've got him projected to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on Green, and, and why does that seem like a, a, a good area for him to go? Well, I think he is a potential guy that's going to start out maybe covering the slot in the NFL and kind of maybe find a niche there, maybe some potential like the Chris Harris Jr. to kind of work into that spot and kind of make a name for himself there. The Dolphins already have a couple corners they've invested heavily in, and Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. So they need some of the sub-package help. A.J. Green seems like that type of player. I think uh, the other guy with an NFL namesake, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson there in Nebraska. They've been kind of attached in this draft, which is funny to see that uh, both these real uh, guys play in the NFL right now in the AFC North. But I, I think they're very similar prospects. I think the chance for AJ Green to go higher uh, uh, here with a lot of teams. It's more about what these teams need. Again, what are they looking for in their dime or nickel package? What do they already have at corner? Sometimes that affects these decisions as well as the specific value of the player. All right, so you have one Iowa State player in your mock draft. Long snapper, Steve Wardle, going in the sixth round to the Miami Dolphins. Now, I know he was uh, the the fastest 40-time uh, of, a, of, a, of a long snapper uh, at the Combine, in, in, in Combine history, which is fun. Uh, not typically see guys like this drafted or in mock drafts. Why does, does Wardle uh, warrant showing up in a, in a mock draft? Yeah, I mean, to make it real, I mean, based on uh, what I've seen in previous drafts, there's always a couple of staffers drafted. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. There's a lot of teams that are unhappy with that position. You have uh, some teams that have the same guy who does the job for like uh, 10 to 20 years, and other teams that have involved in the position. So I actually have the second long snapper off the board. The first one was uh, Blake Ferguson of LSU, a really good player at that position for the Broncos who need some help as well. But Steve Orno, I mean, it's again, the Dolphins are reassessing everything. They need some help at that spot, too. And they're trying to get their special teams in order here going forward. Uh, everything's on the table, how many picks the Dolphins have. So they have a little flexibility, and you're not really happy with that position. That's where you would go at the long snap. I'm going to wrap up on this one. In San Francisco 49ers at pick 210, you've got Jamichael Hasty running back from, from Baylor. Um, San Francisco obviously is, has become one of those teams that is a running back by committee. Seems anymore if you really want to win in the NFL, that's that's kind of the 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 method that teams have adopted as opposed to having one dominant back. Uh, that would be a really nice uh, landing spot for a guy like Hasty. Why do you why do you think that's a good spot for him? So the 49ers have got a crowd there in the backfield uh, behind uh, Raheem Mostert and Kevin Coleman. They've got to assess uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. and uh, Matt Breida, but these guys I don't think are going to be long-term solutions there. I know Kyle Shanahan likes to collect these backs and likes to see what they can do. I think Mostert, they prefer maybe more on special teams. Coleman wanting to have a bigger role. So this backfield seems to be always changing in San Francisco. So I think it's just a shot. I think it would give him a chance to be out there and see what he can do, compete, see if he can carve out a role on special teams. We know they took – Jalen Hurd last year as well as kind of a hybrid player. So 
sometimes in these later rounds, you just want to see a guy that can get in there, compete, maybe shake things up on a roster spot. And uh, I, I look at Hasty as a good fit for what the 49ers do, versatile running game, going blocking. You know, so that's uh, kind of why I threw him in there in the end. I wanted to get him there. You look at the, some other teams I had uh, taking a running back that like uh, Arizona Cardinals maybe needing a little backup for Kenyon Drake. So that's a team to look for. Uh, for him as well, uh, maybe the Giants as well, who said that uh, they want uh, some insurance, better insurance for Saquon Barkley. So all those would be bad spots. Sometimes when you get late into the sixth and seventh round, it might be better just get somewhere undrafted. So that, that's something to keep in mind, too, because then you can pick your situation. But basically the 49ers uh, could certainly work here as a good place to compete. And we know if he gets cut there, and it doesn't quite work out. If he's impressive there, some other team will find him and uh, add them to their roster. And we've seen players uh, change teams and have that success after the draft as well. It's an interesting note that it, you wonder if it would be better sometimes to go as a as a an undrafted you know free agent camp invite as opposed to getting drafted in these these sixth and seventh rounds. I, I, that's a really interesting thought to me, I, and I wondered if you could elaborate that a little bit. Just what it. You know, we, we put so much stock in guys getting drafted, even if they're drafted late. Um, is, it just, is it just more value to being able to maybe choose your landing spot as opposed to being stuck with a team that, that obviously might not be a great fit for you? Yeah, that, that's definitely the case. And if you're signed as a drafted free agent, then the team saw something in you specifically related to their scheme or think you would come in and uh, do some uh, damage in co- camp competition that they liked. This year might be a little trickier, but that is one thing that uh, teams have said that it's going to be a scramble. It's not the same way to uh, find these undrafted free agents after the draft. So if you want somebody really badly that you think can fit your team, you might have to reach there and just draft that player and uh, hope that another guy that you want to just sign after the draft is available. So that's going to be an interesting strategy. If teams don't want to risk it based on the communication and uh, trying to scramble and beat all these other teams to – players that are available or knowing all the players that are available as easily as you do in the past, that might change things. But again, I think seventh round, you see a lot of guys being cut there anyway. I think it's an equal proposition to try to make a team if you're undrafted as uh, you are in the seventh round. Vinny Iyer with Sporting News joining us today to discuss his mock draft ahead of the NFL draft, which kicks off this Thursday. Vinny, you have been awesome. I really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us. Obviously, with the draft this weekend, you're going to be a very, very busy man with lots of draft coverage. Uh, for everybody who wants to check out the work you do, where can they do so? Yeah, you can check out our latest mock drafts at Sporting News, as well as a lot of team mock drafts, uh, college mock drafts, uh, all kinds of stuff getting you ready, the big board of prospects, and then the uh, Draft night, we'll have you covered there with our team of uh, guys uh, riding around the clock with uh, things that happen on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday. So it's going to be fun uh, to break down this draft and uh, check out the pre-draft stuff now. During draft, post-draft, we'll also have some great coverage for you in Sporting News. Yeah, this is going to be a wild one, doing a, a digital draft. I saw some some tweets about the, the first mock version didn't go so well, but, but I think they seem to have uh, cleaned some things up after that first attempt. Uh, I, I'm intrigued to see how it goes. This will be one of the most, I think, watched and interesting drafts just because there's nothing else going on, and it's just going to be such a weird experiment. Yeah, looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun, and hopefully uh, we'll see all the Big 12 fans uh, kind of see the guys they want going to the right team. 
Vinny, thanks again, man. Uh, good luck this weekend and enjoy the draft and uh, appreciate you coming on with us. Right, thanks a lot. Podcast Network.